Good morning, everyone. Um, as Adam said, my name is Melissa Logson, and I lead the outreach ministry here at our church. And um, two weeks ago at our church, um, we had our water baptism, our first one here, and we celebrated um, new life in Jesus with those that were getting baptized. And last week, Jeff spoke on worship and how it's an outward expression of an inward surrender to God. And as we worship God, we are drawn to also um, tell other people about God. And I want to encourage you today that we've all been called to reach out to others. Jesus has promised to be with us, and we are given an opportunity to respond. I'd like to pray for our service at this time. God, we welcome your presence here today. Um, Holy Spirit, I ask that um, your presence would be felt here and in Vineyard Kids And that we would all grow closer to you, Jesus, today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to tell you my story of how I got into outreach, because it's really funny that I'm in charge of this, because um, I'm really, really shy. And I really don't like speaking to strangers or to new people. And um, I feel like God kind of tricked me into doing outreach, really, honestly. I went to a church that um, you might be able to relate to. It was a traditional Christian church. They talked about the Great Commission that Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. And that that was something that we were all supposed to do. And luckily, they didn't just tell us that. They then decided that they would help us out. Hi, welcome. We have some new people that new old people that moved here. We're so glad you made it here. Um, and, um, yeah, now I lost my spot, but we're glad you're here. Okay. Um, so the church wanted to help us all out, right? Because the church is so helpful. So what do they do? They gave us these tools, these evangelism tools, and maybe you're familiar with them. You, it's like this booklet and you open it up and fold it out. And there's like all these diagrams that you're supposed to draw all these like, valleys and crosses and there's all sorts of things and there's like all these verses you're supposed to memorize and when you then share jesus with someone that you meet you can use this handy dandy tool to help you be able to know how to share jesus with someone right and it works really well right <laughs> well i memorized all of those i learned those i actually worked somewhere where i was in charge of training others with those evangelism tools and um You know, to be quite honest, even though I'm sure that the heart of that is good, that they wanted to equip us, I always felt awkward. And I stumbled over my words and I forgot different steps of the thing and the questions I was supposed to ask. And um, and then um, on top of that, several times it like dissolved into arguments And like, it was like this like mental battle that I was supposed to try to like convince somebody of the need for Jesus in their life. And I just came away from it discouraged, honestly. And I was like, I was like, God, I'm not doing this anymore. If this is evangelism, I'm out. Maybe you shouldn't say that, but I kind of said as well, I was like, but if I'm supposed to do this, you've got to tell me a different way. You've got to help me out here. And in the process, I decided to side with the Christians that say, really, evangelism's for people that are the pastors and the missionaries and the world-class evangelists, like the Billy Grahams. 
and we're really not expected to perform like them. And that was kind of where I sat for a while. And um, unfortunately, that tug in me, it just kept there, that thing that God was saying, no, this is really for you too. And I was like, well, God, you got to give me a more natural way then. So um, I prayed this prayer, and you can pray this in your heart right now with me if you'd like. I prayed something like this because um, I was really feeling overwhelmed. I said, God, I need you now. Um, I need you to help me hear you. I need um, you to help me to get rid of the clutter and junk that holds me back from following you. And um, right now, I just pray for all of us. God, we come to your word ready to hear from you and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so as I've prayed similar prayers, I started to realize three things about reaching out to others. That we have been called. There is a promise and an opportunity to respond. The first thing that we have been given is a call. Jesus calls us to reach out to others. If you'd like to turn with me in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And if you can use your Bible, Bible app, it'll be on the slide as well. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 This is some of the final words that Jesus spoke to his followers. And it's one of the most quoted verses in regards to our call to tell others about Jesus, given by Jesus. So Mark chapter 16, verse 15 reads, and this is Jesus saying, it says that, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Right? How many of you have heard that verse, right? I quoted it earlier, actually. Um, when we hear this, it's really easy. And then at the same time, it's really hard. And the first thing Jesus says is going to all the world. So he's not saying that we can just go to the places we want or the people we're comfortable with, right? He's saying go everywhere. And the next thing he says is preach the good news. So like, okay, yeah, we know the good news. Okay. And it says to everyone. So it doesn't say we can pick and choose who we're going to tell, does it? It says everyone. Um, so everyone, everywhere, that's kind of challenging as it is. And then the good news, it's like, well, Jesus, like, I kind of, when I learned all those tools and techniques, what's the good news? Well, it kind of boiled down to fire insurance from hell, right? Like, you want to follow Jesus, you want to accept Jesus as your Savior so you don't go to hell. Amen. Anyway, so... I, I was looking in scriptures and I was like, well, is there more to the good news? I mean, that's good news, but is there more? And one passage, Isaiah 52, 7, says this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. The good news is so big. I don't think we can fully grasp how big it is. But at the core, like peace and salvation is for us and it's for every area of our life. It, God wants to permeate every area of our life with peace and salvation. And it's good news that the God of Israel reigns. And we talked about that last week with worship that, you know, he's a king worthy of our worship. He reigns. Now, um, this Great commission, as the church calls it in Mark chapter 16, where it says, go in all the world. It wasn't out of the blue. Jesus wasn't like, oh, crap, I forgot to tell you guys something really important, <laughs> right? 
he actually modeled it. He spent his ministry, he started his ministry doing this, and he continued it. If you look with me in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 21, it's recorded Jesus, when at the start of his ministry, he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 2. And it says here in Luke 4, 18 through 21, it says, Jesus quotes this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scriptures you've just heard have been fulfilled this very day. So Jesus, quoting from Isaiah, says, the Holy Spirit is on me. And he's saying, I'm supposed to bring the good news. And here's some of the ways, this is some good news about God and his kingdom. And then Jesus, we know as we read through the Gospels, Jesus spent his ministry doing that. Everywhere he went, he went everywhere talking to people and he was um, healing people. And um, you saw him actually modeling and doing what then he later says for us to do. So he's saying um, in the Great Commission, he's saying, do likewise. Excuse me. So we're supposed to do likewise. We're supposed to proclaim freedom and bring healing to people. This is really our identity. This is our core of who we are as followers of Jesus, that we are a people called to call others. We are a people to that at our core, we are to reach out to others. And Jesus is really inviting us to participate with him in bringing the kingdom. <clears throat> we can do this by telling others that we know God's word. about his promises of salvation and peace and presence. As we've read his word, we can just share that back to people. And we can also tell about our experiences, how Jesus has touched our lives and brought peace and healing in our lives in different areas. And how that we know what he's done for us. After understanding this good news, um, and more like the wholeness of it and how Jesus had modeled this. And as I've read, read the gospels and just how naturally Jesus modeled this, like he'd go over to a friend's house for dinner. And the next thing, you know, like someone is saying, Oh wow, I want to change my life. And he went to a wedding party. I mean, he, he was just going the places that you and I go every day. And he was being with people in the marketplaces and in people's homes And everywhere he went, he was reaching out to other people and telling about the good news of God and what God's kingdom can do for them. And then I realized, oh, I can do that. I can do what Jesus modeled. That's really actually at its core natural. Like some of the bigger stories, like I may freak out, like thinking about like feeding, you know, 500 people or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, just going to people's homes And talking to people when I go shopping and stuff, I can do this. I can do this. And I can do it naturally like Jesus did it. And so I decided, well, if I can do this, I'm going to ask God for eyes to see people. Because I actually just go through my life kind of with blinders on most of the time. And I'm 
just want to get through my day. I want to get the food. I want to get the groceries. Um, I just want to deposit my check at the bank. You know, whatever it is, I'm just going through my day and trying to get through it. And I said, God, you got to open my eyes to see these people around me because I just don't see them. So <laughs> when you pray that, you're kind of setting yourself up. Um, moved to Peoria two and a half years ago. My first job here, I was working at an office and it was a small office. Most of the people were, um, churchgoers. Most of the people I worked with were churchgoers. I was really blessed with that. Um, I could talk openly about my faith with them. They were really encouraging that we are here to help start another church. And, um, I'd even pray for them, like say, like they had a headache. I felt comfortable praying for them. And it was pretty natural. There was one coworker that really, she scared me. She was really brash. She was, um, her language wasn't very clean. Um, and, um, she just kind of scared me. She was just really abrasive. And I kind of, I, I thought I, I judged her and I kind of thought, well, she's definitely not into the church thing. You know, she told me she'd grown up Catholic, but she didn't go to church anymore. And, I'm just going to kind of stay away from her because I don't want to ever get on her bad side. <sighs> so I thought she was the least likely that I'd ever minister to. Um, one day I was helping make copies for her and she looked like there was something wrong. I was like, well, what's wrong? And she's like, well, my eye, like all of a sudden it started hurting and I can't see right. And she was really concerned. Um, and you know, people that have eye problems, I mean, you know, they have to do surgeries and all sorts of things. Sometimes people never regain their eyesight. She was really worried. And I was like, oh, God, I see her. Okay. So I kind of said something that was kind of probably all jumbled up, but I kind of said something like something about God and how he likes to heal people and asked if I could pray for her. And I was making her copies, so she's like, sure, whatever. <laughs> like, And I just kind of asked if I could put my hand on her Um near her eye real quick and just pray for her. And she kind of looked at me, but I was like, oh, I said something like, God, can you just bring healing to her eye right now, please? And I took my hand down because I didn't know what else to say or do. I didn't know if God would move in this moment or not. Um, and she looked at me really shocked and really weird. And I gave her, and she said like, it's better. And I was like, I was like all happy. I was like, great. <laughs> But she just like looked at me and she took the copies that I made for her and she walked back quietly to her desk. And I was really shocked because she um, is really talkative, you know, and she just walked quietly back. And I sat down at my desk and I was like, crap, I screwed this up somehow. I screwed it up. Like, I don't know what I did, but like, she's not talking to me. And it was like hours later, hours later, she came up to my desk and she said, you know, Melissa, I'm just in shock. My eyes healed. The pain went away. Um, and I really, I'm, this is totally unfamiliar to me. I'm not used to people praying for healing and expecting God to bring healing like that. And um, I was like, okay, okay, it's okay. And um, after that, you know, honestly, over time, I actually had more opportunities to talk to her about spiritual matters to pray for her, to encourage her. And actually it came back to me a blessing back. She became, when it all came down and when things started falling apart at that workplace, she actually was like my only true friend at the end of the day, all those church going people that I thought like I were really great supporters. Um, 
a lot of them turned on me and she stood by my side and she was such a friend and a supporter and encourager. And I ran into her, oh, at CVS one night, like a year ago. And she was doing well and she was moving, but she was encouraging me and said what a blessing I had been in her life. So um, I just have to believe that God's going to continue to work in her life um, based on his promises of his love. And the Bible, you know, is so full of promises about him, his love and his help for people. Um, two weeks ago during the baptism service, Ben spoke about three areas of God's promises and how he loves us and how we matter to him and how we can trust him. If you missed that, here's a shameless plug. You can download the podcast online and listen to it. It was really good. Um, but, you know, the scripture is just full of promises. And one of the promises that's kind of overarching comes back to time and time again, God's presence and how he has given us the Holy Spirit to be with us always. So the second thing that we've been given is a promise that Jesus says he is always with us. You can turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. These are actually the final words recorded that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is saying right there that there is that promise that we'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. We're not asked to do this on our own. We're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. And um, we are to be witnesses. We are to tell people everywhere about Jesus. And to the ends of the earth, really, everyone, everywhere. So Jesus, this is really important to Jesus. Like if he's like saying like, I'm leaving and these are my last words to you, to my followers. Like, I want to pay attention to my Lord's last words to his followers. So I think it's so encouraging that we are promised to receive power from the Holy Spirit to go and tell other people about Jesus everywhere. So this is a great follow-up to the Great Commission. And um, one of the greats in the Christian faith that I've been reading some of his work recently is Andrew Murray. And he is a really neat model of a more present-day follower from the late 1800s, but a more present-day follower of Jesus. And he was a teacher. He authored like 240 books. He was a pastor. He was like from Scotland, but he was like in South Africa. And here's what he says about Jesus. He says, you know, I must do everything for a dead Christ, but a living Christ is everything for me. And I have no care if he cares for me. I have no fear if he provides for me. So even someone that I would say is like a great in the Christian faith, he chose to rely on the living Christ doing everything for him. 
He chose to not worry about the cares of this world or the fears because he knew that God was caring for him and providing for him. And honestly, he's one of just of thousands and thousands of men and women who have followed Jesus and believed God's promises that his presence and his power would be with them. And they're willing to take risks to follow God. And that to me is so encouraging. Like, it's not something new and it's not something we're asked to do on our own. We're with like centuries of Christians following this way. You know how the Bible says, like when Jesus was asked a great command, like he says, love God and love your neighbors. And that can be kind of intimidating to love our neighbors. But we aren't asked to do it on our own strength. In Colossians chapter 1, 8, it says he has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So the followers of Jesus, <clears throat> they were reaching out and loving others, not in their own strength, but because the Holy Spirit was giving them that love. That is so encouraging that the Holy Spirit gives us the love we need to love our neighbors. And real love is free of judgment. It's free of um inauthenticity it's full of being authentically connecting to our neighbors and extending his love now i know neighbors is a word not just for our physical neighbors but what i realized when i moved to peoria is it did include my physical neighbors we moved into moderate income housing and honestly i was intimidated i didn't think i would be but i was intimidated by the neighborhood that we uh, moved into and I wanted to just kind of hole up and stay in my home where it was nice and safe. Steve was working a lot of evenings and weekends. And so I was home alone um, during that time. And so it would be a lot safer just to stay home. One night I had um, rented a Redbox movie and gotten some snacks at Aldi's. And I was coming home to have another evening on the couch alone. And I saw a neighbor with her um, child and I introduced myself and it must have been the Holy Spirit giving me love because next thing out of my mouth was I'm going to watch a movie and have some snacks would you and your son like to come over I don't know where that came from I just met her I didn't know anything about her and she's like sure I was like okay <laughs> I was like give me a few minutes because I'm just getting home from work and then come on over and she came over and um it was a kid's movie, so her son was watching the movie, and her and I were sitting on the couch, and we were talking, and the next thing I know, she just pours out her story to me, her life story, and she was talking about how she's full of shame with that, with some of the choices she had made, and I said, you don't have to live with that shame. She's like, oh, I was like, you know, can I pray for you right now that God would take that shame away? She's like, okay. <laughs> so I prayed for her. I didn't know anything about her spiritual background at all, but I prayed for her and she said, wow, I feel a lot better. Um, during, as we became friends, she told me, honestly, because of some of the choices she had made, she was slated to go to jail that summer for the summer. And she was really worried about just being in a worse place when she came out. And I said, you know, 
I'll, I'll write letters to you and I'll visit you. And so I committed to like writing letters almost every week and visiting her every month that summer. And I tried to just, <clears throat> without being like too churchy or religious, I tried to just write like things like maybe I'd read from Joyce Meyer, some like encouragement and maybe a scripture here and there and, and tell her like what's going on in life and just try to be a, her friend and encourage her through that difficult time. We um, got together with her son a few times and just kind of like, you know, trying to keep some kind of connection for him, too. He didn't know where her mom was at that time. So um, when she got out of jail, she told me, she's like, you know, I've been thinking a lot. And she's like, I think I'm going to start going back to church. I grew up in the church and I think I'm going to start going back to church. And she started going with her mom again and. Um, as time went on, she's like, you know, um, my son's starting to get like mouthy and she's like, I think I'm going to take him to like the midweek kids program at our church and kind of keep him out of trouble and help. Like, I want him to like know God's word. And even if he decides to walk a different path at some point, God's word will always come back to him. And so she started doing that. And I was so encouraged, like, wow, God, that's really cool. And honestly, we've become friends. We've run some errands together. We'll bake each other baked goods. We swap things out. Like if we don't want a shirt or a purse anymore, we'll like trade with each other. And recently she said to me, she's like, you know, Melissa, I was faced with a really difficult situation recently. And she had come to me and we, and she asked, she's like, can you pray for me again? Cause I really like it when you pray for me. I'm like, okay. So I prayed for her. And then the next week she said, wow, I made that choice. I did this difficult thing that I needed to do. And then this week she said, and guess what? God provided for me. And she told me how, and she was like a blessing back to me an encouragement back to me. It's like she stepped out and followed God and had faith and God blessed her and provided. And that was encouraging to me that she was choosing that. And that encourages me to want to choose that too. I can't imagine if I hadn't invited her that night to come over for a movie and a snack. It was my choice, but I'm really glad that I chose that. So the third thing that we have been given is a choice. We have a choice, an opportunity to respond, an opportunity to follow. And when we've, when we know God's, when we know God's promises and we're led to worship him, and that faith stirs in us as we worship him and we we remember God's power, then we will be moved to action. And I believe that personal communion does lead to personal service. There is a choice. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Isaiah records his opportunity, his um, choice to follow. It says, then I heard the Lord saying, whom should I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. And we're all given that choice. Will we, will we respond? Will we follow? If we do choose that, some helpful things is seeking God daily and relying on his power to tell other people about Jesus. The early church in, in the book of Acts, it's recorded throughout the book of Acts, throughout the New Testament, that after they received the Holy Spirit and they were empowered, they started sharing the good news everywhere they went. They spoke of God's peace and salvation. And we 
are those recorded about healing that takes place in people's lives. Another um, recording is in Colossians chapter one, verse 28. If you want to look there. And this is Paul speaking. And he's probably one of the great apostles that we think of, but he wasn't doing this on his own. But you do see in Acts in Colossians chapter one, verse 28. Here's what Paul says. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. Says we, he's not doing it on his own. So it's not just for the Pauls of this world. There were a lot of people that were partnering with him that some are recorded in scripture and some aren't. And he says that they're warning everyone. They're telling everyone. They're not picking and choosing who they're going to tell. And it's through the wisdom that God has given them. They're asking God for wisdom. And so my takeaway from that is, you know, I want to tell everyone about how God wants to make a difference in their lives. And I want to ask God questions like, how can I partner with you? What are you doing here, God? Um, what should I say? And just ask for his wisdom because on my own, I, I don't, I remember trying it on my own. I don't want to try it on my own anymore. I want to follow God and ask for his wisdom. And there's like a freedom there for us when we don't have to rely on our own strength. And we ask God for that gift and we ask him for his wisdom. It really sets us free. An encouragement from Andrew Murray again. Um, He says, when you have Jesus with you and when you take every step with the thought that it is Jesus who wants you to go, that it is Jesus who sends you and is helping you, then there will be a brightness in your testimony. And that's what I want. I want a brightness that other people are drawn to. And we had um, a church event last summer and with our kids and they had a brightness that others were drawn to. The event is called STORM, which stands for Serving Together on a Real Mission. It's something that um, Vineyard Churches have been doing. It's multiple churches for several years. And um, last summer, we took our kids to Southside Mission to the food pantry. And they have a little church service before they start distributing the food. And they, our kids offer to pray for the attendees. And they said, usually there's not a huge turnout for prayer at the, you know, at the church service. So don't feel bad if nobody wants prayer, you know, and you know, they kind of look kind of hardened and, you know, they're just sitting there before they can get their food. A lot of them. Well, that day when they saw the kids standing there wanting to pray for them, like there was a line of people and um, they had to wait. (laughs) They had to wait for prayer. They all wanted prayers from our kids. They all wanted hugs from our kids. These people that like a few minutes ago were just kind of hardened. There's like tears running down their faces and they're just like, there's smiles on their faces and it kind of was going long. I think longer than what the guy in charge was planning on it going, but it was really powerful. And I, I am so proud of our kids over there in Vineyard Kids because we taught them that God calls us to call, go and tell other people about Jesus. We taught them how to pray for other people and that the Holy Spirit helps you to pray for people. And we gave them an opportunity if they wanted to pray for people. And they did it. They're like my heroes. They did it, you know? 
And it was just really neat to see, like, oh, I'm getting goosebumps. I hope we do it again this summer. It was just really cool to see that it doesn't matter how young or old you are, like, you can do this. So relying on God's help, you can do this. So when I saw evangelism in its purest form, free from all the formulas and techniques that I was trying to memorize and the pressures, um, kind of like the pressures of like, how many have you saved, you know? Um, when you just kind of get rid of all of that and you realize that Jesus is just inviting you to reach out to others so that they know and experience God's love for them, like that's really freeing. And just so you know, like that's the definition of outreach we use here. I'll say it again. Reaching out to others so they know and experience God's love for them. That's what we mean when we say outreach. Pretty simple, but pretty hard some days. <laughs> but the good thing is we're not expected to do it on our own. He promises to be with us, to give us the power and the words we need to share the good news of his peace and salvation. We have a choice to follow Jesus in reaching out to others with God's love. So, now I'm going to move into some like practical things like, so how do we do this? And maybe for some of you, it's really easy, but some of you, it's not. Um, I, this is where it would be really nice for me to give like step by step. Here's what to do, but we're all really unique. And each place that God has placed us in our lives is unique. And so it really comes down to just seeking God and saying, God, for where I'm at and how you've wired me, what's this going to look like? And one thing I can tell you, if you feel overwhelmed because it's everyone, everywhere, and that's really big call, <clears throat> because you're not alone, it's all of us together doing this. If you can just do one thing, that would be really amazing and impactful. I shared with you, with these stories that I shared about my coworkers and my neighbors and Storm, I shared with you different spheres in my life. And when I say one thing, it can be like a little acronym you can remember. Um, o can stand for occupation. So that's like the things that your, your, whatever your personal life is, your daily life, what you're doing day in and day out, you're interacting with people that nobody else in your family or your church necessarily interacts with on daily life in the same way you do. So that's like your personal sphere, your occupation. And then in for neighborhood, that's something that your family unit can, um, or, or, um, roommates or whatever, whatever your living situations, you guys as a group can reach out to your neighborhood. And so that's something you're doing with like a few people reaching out. And then the E can stand for event. And when I think of event, I think of the events that like the church lines up. I line up for you guys um, that you can do at like a small group level, um, perhaps, or maybe as a church level, it's being offered and it's ways to reach out in community together in community so we're not alone in this. So if you can do one thing, commit to pick it one day a week, maybe write down your calendar or set an alarm reminder because I forget and have it go off at the same time or day every week and rem just ask God to um, give you his word and his wisdom for these spheres in your life. And Maybe just start asking and just say, you know, God, I just need, I want you to show me one person at work, one person in my occupation, whatever that is, that I can be praying for and looking for opportunities to tell them about what you want to do in their lives. And one neighbor, 
you know, don't get overwhelmed with how many houses or apartment units you have around you. Like just ask God for like one neighbor that you can be focusing on and praying for. And then this summer, there's opportunities for outreach events as a community here at our church and ask God, God, maybe I can just do one of them because summer gets really busy. And which one should I do? And be praying for that ahead of time and saying, God, I really want to make an impact together as a church for that one event. And I want to look at that with you guys. If you can take this out of your program, these are the events that I've lined up for this summer. We try to do something once a month. I want to share with you these three opportunities. Okay, June 15th, reverse garage sale. And that means we're having a garage sale, but we're giving stuff away for free. And that's we, we we like to use the word kindness outreach around here. And pretty much that's just us doing kind things to people, service or giving things out for free and seeing how God softens their hearts and moves in their hearts. And then they're open to God in their lives. So we're going to need people to donate lots and lots of stuff because we want to have lots of stuff. And um, we want people to actually be at the garage sale to connect with people in the community as they're like mingling around, you know, and just see like how God wants you to interact with those people. Another opportunity is in July, we partner with Southside Mission and that's our city um, mission that we work with. And they reach out to the um, pretty much like the poorest of the poor in our area, mostly. And they have something called work days and um, we're going to be helping build homes and, um, do repair work and stuff. There's going to be like, or like people in charge telling us what to do. Cause if you're like me, maybe you like don't know what to do with a hammer and a nail right away, but they'll tell you what to do. And, um, and they said like, even like our, like, he said like, he'll bring like his like 11 year old grandson and have him like pick up trash. So, I mean, it's something that like our older kids can even partner with. And then, um, the third opportunity is in August, August 5th through the 10th. And it is that storm event that I talked about earlier, serving together on a real mission. And that's our outreach day camp. Instead of doing like a VBS, we do something called storm. And we'll need lots of workers to teach the lessons, to be chaperones and praying for the kids, to be modeling, reaching out to people, to be going um, on these events, um, making snacks. Like there's, there's a lot of opportunities. And um, that's just a way to partner with Vineyard Kids in continuing to help the kids learn and do kingdom values. So be praying about which opportunity you feel like you're supposed to be helping with this summer. Be looking on the city and in the program, there'll be more details soon. Just want to wrap up by telling you that the stories I told you today, they're like my success stories. (laughs) And in all transparency for like every one success story, I probably have at least 20 failure stories that I could tell you. And my friends here have heard a lot of them and they could tell you them. <laughs> and, um, I sometimes, you know, like I just feel like I've stumbled over words or the person just shuts me down and doesn't want me to pray for them or doesn't want the free thing I'm offering or, um, and I just felt like a lot of rejection. So I feel like they're failures, but really, I'm not really the judge of it. Am I like, how do I know what God's doing in their heart? I can't judge that. And really the only failure is when I don't partner with God. And my biggest regrets are not those failures. My biggest regrets are when I've judged others so much so that I haven't prayed for them or I haven't 
talked authentically with them. It's when I haven't followed, when I felt like God was like nudging me to do something. And I just decided that I wasn't going to reach out because I was afraid of rejection or because I was just too busy to deal with it right then. Those are my, those are what I actually feel like are failures, those regrets. And <clears throat> I don't want to live a life of regrets. And I don't think any of us do. Um, the kingdom of God is about taking risks. And John Wimber, he's the founder of the Vineyard Movement. And he was known to say this a lot. He said that faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. And I'm just asking you today, will you choose to step out in faith and take a risk to reach your coworkers, neighbors, and community members with God's love this summer? I hope so. Join with me as we pray. Um, God, we just come before you today and we say um, help. And we want to partner with you. And um, as we do worship time now, God, we want our hearts to align with the words in these songs. And God, now we give you our gifts of our tithes and offerings and our worship to you. Amen.